0: Hey, welcome to the Pretty AF Podcast. I'm Asley Maslow, a brand coach, speaker, author, marketer, and the founder of Pretty AF and the Babble Boutique. I help entrepreneurs going from living paycheck to paycheck in a job they hate to thriving in a career and life they love. This is your place to learn from me and other entrepreneurs that are Pretty AF inside and out. We get into how to create income doing what you love while finding balance between your wellness beauty travel and philanthropy if you're ready to get inspired and have actionable steps to build the life you love then you're in the right place let's dive in
1: my belief is that everyone wants to create impact in their life and even the most wealthiest people that don't have the time to give, they want their dollars. Or I literally just talked with a donor last week who told me I'm a CEO of a company and I'm not motivated by my job. I'm motivated what my dollars from this job do to impact the world.
0: Welcome back to the Pretty AF podcast. I'm your host, Asley Maslow, and that clip was from today's guest, Joy Hoover. Now, if you live in Vegas, you know who Joy is. She is the founder of the Cupcake Girls. She kept being mentioned in other interviews I've done for the show, so I just had to have her on. Thankfully, she said yes. And now we get to bring this awesome interview to you. She shares how to share your vision with your team and grow your team like she has. She also shares how she does her fundraising. She's been able to raise over $1.5 million in the last four years. How she built her board of directors, started her foundation, organization, and so much more. So without further ado, let's get into this episode.
1: I'm the founder and CEO of the Cupcake Girls and Local for All, our newest project, and I started out literally 11 years ago on the 2nd, so just three days ago, I celebrated my 11-year anniversary in Vegas, coming here from Michigan to do this work to care for folks that have been sex trafficked and folks in the adult industry, making sure that they have access to holistic resources and that there's aftercare and dignified support um, for survivors of sex trafficking.
0: Awesome. Love it. So you started now 11 years ago. And since then, you've grown to a staff of over 10, you have over 150 volunteers and over 300 community partners. So can you share for other entrepreneurs that are listening, how you got so many people on board with your vision? And to kind of help you with what you originally envisioned?
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, we actually, as of yesterday, have 14 staff, including myself, we have two, we have two cities, we have a branch here in Las Vegas, a branch in Portland, Oregon, and we have clients actually in 22 states right now. You know, I'm, I'm an Enneagram three, I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram, Mm -hmm. but I'm an achiever and always looking for like, the next thing and dreaming big and activating people. And that's what I'm super passionate about is finding people in the community with skills that they can utilize to create impact in the world and so that's literally how it started you know we had barely any budget in the beginning <laughs> and and so it, what, what i knew was that i i want i needed people on board that wanted to give their time their money and their energy to this work and so i mean you can st- you'll still see anytime you're with me you'll still see i talk to literally everyone about the cupcake girls <laughs> like yes people on the airplane my doctor who's like injecting my knee with steroids I'm talking to him I was like everyone because it is my heart and soul it's like one of my kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so so that's really what it's what it started with was bringing on people and then what's really awesome is those people activated other people and it's just kind of spread so Mm -hmm. now we have over 200 volunteers we've built a system and I have people on my team that are better at taking my ideas and putting structure to them (laughs) so they've been amazing at at taking that and so we have pretty robust teams where we have volunteers that actually lead other volunteers Mm -hmm. um and I think last year we had over over 18,000 volunteer hours um that's just people volunteering and then we also as you mentioned we have partners community partners that provide free or low-cost services to our clients and it's the same thing too we just started going to our own dentist our own doctor our own therapist and saying hey would you volunteer would you take a client a month or what could you do to help Mm -hmm. um, this population who's a a marginalized and underserved community Mm -hmm. how can we come together as a community and serve them
0: yeah and i can definitely see that because i I feel like I've heard of the Cupcake Girls just, like, on the news and things like that. Uh But doing this, I started interviewing more local people. And I think so far I've interviewed maybe, like, five, somewhere around Uh there. And three of them mentioned the Cupcake Girls. I love it. (laughs) So I was like, okay. (laughs) So as far as fundraising, I know in the last four years from the article I read, so this is probably older, that your team raised more than $1.5 million. So can you share some of your tips or strategies on fundraising?
1: Yeah. Um. You know, I started this again. I was a 23-year-old hairstylist when I started the Cupcake Girls. Actually, mm-hmm. I, had, I didn't even have my hair license. I got my license as I was starting Cupcake Girls. <laughs> And uh, my background's fashion it has nothing to do with nonprofit, but I've always been passionate about our my community. I grew up with parents that were super entrepreneurial and super like, you know, c- caring for others was part of our everyday life, and seeing the need in the community was too. And while you know that's broadened from a small town in Michigan to now Las Vegas Nevada mm-hmm. i really just realized that only way to create impact is through is with a collective impact of dollars time and skills mm-hmm. and so because i didn't re- i knew i didn't really have another choice i was like <laughs> all right let's activate money let's try this And so same thing as asking people to give their skills. I am not afraid to ask anyone to give their dollars. Mm -hmm. And I challenge my team to be the same. We are a fundraising team. We don't have a development team as a nonprofit. We're the development
2: team.
1: (laughs) And that's pretty unique for us. Um, You know, we did in the middle of a pandemic, we had our largest fundraiser ever last year. And we had 270 people in twenty six Five states who raised we raised four hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars together in four weeks wow and that was simply just peer-to-peer activation it was my community me asking my friends family and and social media followers to join and then 269 other people doing that too Mm -hmm. and and so that's really the way we've seen fundraising my belief is that everyone wants to create impact in their life and even the most wealthiest people that don't have the time to give they want their dollars or i literally just talked with a donor last week who told me i'm a ceo of a company and i'm not motivated by my job i'm motivated what my dollars from this job can do to impact the world Mm. and that's what i started with not everyone's like that of course but there's a lot of people that are like that and for me I want to give everyone the opportunity to give because I know what giving my time, my dollars, and my money has done for my life mm-hmm. and my impact, and so I want to make sure everyone has the opportunity, whether they can give five dollars or five hundred thousand dollars. I don't, I don't know anyone that can get five hundred thousand yet, but if you know them, if you're listening
2: to this, <laughs> call me. Um, but yeah, her. Yeah, it's all
1: about making the ask, and also like getting super clear on what it is that you are asking them for, mm-hmm. right? And why, What the what is the problem you're solving? Why are you solving it? And why do you need someone else to come alongside? And, and it's not that difficult, but if you don't get those things right, it will be for you. Um, and so that's what I've learned over time. And then reporting back saying, here's what your dollars did. Mm-hmm. Being able to share the impact, being able to share You know, we have clients that say, I want to share my story. I want to use it as part of my healing, my taking back my power to share my truth.
2: Mm -hmm. And then
1: we get to share share that with our donors to know that they helped link arms. We use that term of like linking arms so that no one's in front or back, but we're together moving forward Mm -hmm. to our clients' goals. And that's the way I see all of our collaboration from our donors, our volunteers, our partners, our staff, um, and our community.
0: Mm -hmm. Hello! Sorry to interrupt this interview. I know it's just getting juicy, but if you've ever wanted to work with me, but you might feel like you're not quite ready for one-on-one coaching, then I wanted to let you know that I do have three courses on my website. So if you had to, Asli Maslow, Dot com and click courses. You will see my branding masterclass, where you can learn how to create a brand kit. You'll see the digital academy of social media, where you'll learn how to be a social media manager, like I used to do. And you'll see three-day slay, which will walk you through how to slay your social media in just three days. So be sure to check it out if you've been wanting to up your digital media game and your online brand presence i'll let you get back to the episode it sounds like you really focus on what the other person is getting out of it versus what you might be getting out of it or what your organization is getting out of it you really kind of turn on that yeah. switch for them like well this is what you're getting out of it and then it
1: yep makes yep. it i i i know there's a lot of talk around this but i believe in so much in abundance over scarcity. Mm. And so I don't, I don't operate the cupcake girls with a mentality of, Oh my God, we're not probably we money. How are we going to sustain <laughs> ourselves? How are we going to hire staff? And and there's times where I feel that. And there was a lot of times early on in the cupcake girls where I did,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I was able to shift my vision to this, this belief system of there is so much in the world. There are so much so many amazing people. There's a lot of money and there's people with time. And there are people who are looking for a place to belong and for a place where their passions and their skills can make impact. And the interesting thing is I didn't start the cupcake girls to create a space for other people to make impact. I started the Cupcake girls to help impact our community. Mm -hmm. What I didn't realize though is that's what I was doing. And so now we have people on our team that have been volunteering. I I have a staff member who's been in eight years. I have one five years. I have won three years. Like mm-hmm. we have a small and mighty team who are so committed to our clients because they have bought into the mission of this is this is my dream and passion now, yeah. and I get to create impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really is not a Joy Hoover show. It is the coffee <laughs> girls. This is a collaborative space where mm-hmm. we all you know, want to connect, not, we don't operate out of need, like, we need volunteers, we need money, we need this, we operate a space of, if you want to come here, and you align with all six of our core values, and you care about humanity, and you want to treat people with dignity and unconditional love and support, we would love to have you link arms with us, Mm -hmm. we would love to hear what skill sets you have to offer, we would love to have you join us.
0: I noticed that you mentioned activating people a lot. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of conversation on influencers, right? Mm-hmm. We're influencing people to wear a certain thing or, or feel a certain thing or do a certain thing. And while I think there's a lot of value in that, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't hope to be or want to be seen as an influencer. I want to be seen as an activator. I want mm-hmm. to be seen as someone who does not let people off on going, I'm comfortable with my life, I'm okay. Like, no, we don't (laughs) need a world of people comfortable and okay while other people are dying. Yeah. We need a community of people who are like, I have a little bit to give. My skills are not, I always ask people when they start, what do you love doing that you're not doing now? What's missing in your life? Mm -hmm. And if they say, oh my God, I love baking. I love fundraising, I love marketing. Some people love, Administration. I can't even believe they like, but thank God for those people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and so I want to ask them what we all as adults do things that we hate. Like, so much of our life is I got to cook, I got to clean, I got to help change my kids' diapers, I got to do all this stuff, right? That's mm-hmm. hard. I don't want the Cupcake Girls or Local all to be another place where people are like, I got to show up and make my shift happen. Like, Mm -hmm. I want them, and you can see that, you'll see that if you are ever around our team or maybe you've met other volunteers, like, they are pumped to show up and do the work because they know that their skills are going to be utilized, Mm -hmm. activated, and challenged to do more. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love. Even at the fundraising, we have hundreds of people who have never fundraised with us before. And last year, they were like, you know, one specific story was this woman and her fiance, this amazing couple who found Cupcake Girls and they love it. She's super passionate about like providing for the black community, about gender, like gender roles and just structure around just supporting people without limits. And basically, and so she found us, she volunteered with us. She signed up to fundraise, had never fundraised in her life. And her and her fiance started making bath salts to make, raise money for, to hit their goal of a thousand dollars. They'd never raised any money. Yeah. made so many bath and they did, like, even her fiancé did, like, a knitting project that they <laughs> raffled off this gorgeous afghan. Oh. I don't even know how creative these amazing people are, right? Mm-hmm. And they raised, like, thirteen or $1,500, so more than their goal. They'd never done it before. And they actually started a business <laughs> called Divine Soul Beauty out of that, that they're now this amazing bath and, bath and body company, black-owned business, because they tried something to impact community and then mm-hmm. ended up creating a business that she now runs full time. That's awesome. And so I'm like, see, like I want people to be like, you didn't think you have fundraising skills? Let's, I'm gonna challenge those fundraising skills and then level it up to be like, mm-hmm. what now? What can you do? And yeah. I have actually coached her this year w- through her business. Cause I do some entrepreneurial coaching mm-hmm. and helped her grow in different areas too. So it's just been like so cool to see how amazing people are and to be able to activate their gifts and talents and courage to step out and do it.
0: Yeah. Love it. So I know one of the things you have in the in place with the Cupcake Girls is a board of directors. So um, if you could explain kind of what that is and why you decided to put that in place and why you think that's important.
1: Yeah. So the way that nonprofit is structured is... You have to have a board of directors mm-hmm. you legally from the irs have to at least have a president a secretary and a treasurer someone that is organized someone that can lead and someone that can handle the finances and really know what's happening with them
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so it's kind of, you know it's a, it's a normal structure that every nonprofit has to have i think the unique thing about cupcake girls is that similarly and we're still that's still a that's actually one of my big goals for 2021 is really working to figure out like ways to activate and support our board even better Mm -hmm. and similarly we're just again finding professionals finding lawyers finding finance people finding program people finding like clients or people in the adult industry that can feed in and give feedback to our programs you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a check and balance system of are we set up legally are we set up financially are we set up program wise are we getting input from the community we're serving on how we can be better um, and the list kind of goes on but that has been really my goal is cre- is trying to create a nuanced board and it's harder than you think and again mm-hmm. i don't i don't think i should give board advice because i don't <laughs> think i have this piece down as well as i have some of the other things i've learned mm-hmm. but i think what's beautiful is that we've been able to bring people on the board that feel similarly to the way our volunteers and staff feel which is mm-hmm. they're activated in their passion and in their power to create impact Mm -hmm. and to give their dollars and see the way their dollars are directly changing lives and changing the community. And so it's an important piece. But as I coach nonprofits, new brand new nonprofits, I always say, your board is more important than you think they are. And they do have the most power, even if as the founder, they have more power than I do. Mm -hmm. And so you need to have people on the board that you fully trust that have your best interests and your organization's best interest in mind,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that are committed and activated to do the work with you and to follow through on their commitments. It's typically about a two-year commitment depending on the board, ours is a two-year. Um, so it's a pretty big commitment, two years. Yeah. Our commitment on our board is two years, um, at least 10 to 20 hours a month of time, and $10,000 a year of fundraising or giving. Like They call it a
2: give-get. Mm-hmm. Okay. And
1: so it's a it's a big commitment and it, it takes a lot to activate the board and continue growing.
0: hmm. I didn't I didn't know that it was required for nonprofits, but that makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, every 501c3 nonprofit has to have a board of directors.
0: And what made you decide to become a 501c? Because I know, kind of random, but I was speaking at an event before and a lady said she wanted to start a nonprofit, but said it was so difficult to start a 501c.
1: (laughs) Um, dumb luck. (laughs) We We became an official 501c3 in February of 2012, but it took... It was actually backdated, so it took me re- the cupcake rolls as the cupcake rolls. Ex- was established in February of 2011, mm-hmm. so almost, almost 10 years ago. And when I filed for paperwork, I had no idea what I was doing, but I found a lawyer who was on the board to help me out and fill out the paperwork. But it was such an expensive and stressful and lengthy process back then. It took us almost two years to get mm-hmm. our actual 501c3. Yeah. And they backdated it to 2012, um, but I tell people all the time like there is a lot of options. I don't always think 501c3 nonprofit is the best option. It is the hardest option, mm-hmm. and so I'm I coach people again to to look at social entrepreneurship, like what you do. You give 20 percent of proceeds back to sounds like to animal foundations. it yeah. sounds like. Um, and so I think that model can be really effective, and sometimes even more effective because there's less red tape. Mm,
2: but yeah.
1: as a 501c3, there are benefits. You know, we have donors that can get tax write-offs. We have we can get grants, although we don't get a lot of grants. We get a lot of in internal donors that give, mm. um, or not internal. We get a lot of just individuals that give. I think you know from the fundraiser that we did that. In October, we had over 5,000 people gate to that. Mm-hmm. So we're really passionate about activating, and not a lot of our donors are giving just for the tax write-up. But the ones that are, it's great to have. And then, you know, people see nonprofit. Um, some people see it, and one are, are like, Ugh, "I don't know. I don't trust it automatically, right?" Because there's mm-hmm. been a lot of of poor management of nonprofit. Yeah. There's there's a lot of philanthropy that. You'd like to believe is done and good, and it maybe don't have the best intentions. But there's a lot of good, and there's amazing people in the nonprofit sphere that start it and really do it for the right reasons, mm-hmm. and then have a lot of this red tape. So I would just say, I started uh, the 8 Rolls as a 501c3 because 10 years ago I really didn't know what my options were, mm-hmm. and I'm really happy we did. I'm really happy that we are standing in this nonprofit space doing things completely different. Mm-hmm. Our One of our core values is we invite innovation. So we don't do fundraising the same as most people. We don't do volunteering the same as most people. I've kind of created with myself and others a system that feels more authentic to who we are and more collaborative and um, more innovative. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we've taken
0: it now. You keep mentioning your core values. How did you go about creating those?
1: Yeah. So five years ago, I was at, or almost six now, I was at a conference that a donor sent me to, which was like a business and life planning conference. Mm. And it was it was amazing because you hear all this stuff about like how to get your life in order, how to do a business plan, how to handle time management. You know all these things, but to implement it. It's really hard, especially mm-hmm. if you're not like a strategic details person. Yeah. I'm a very big picture person. <laughs> and I don't like to sit down and stop. I like to go, 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 go. And you have to do that with this. So mm-hmm. one of the things that they taught was to sit down for hours and to ask yourself certain questions and then to do that every year. But to start out, to build out my core values, that's how I did it. So mm-hmm. I sat down. They literally asked questions like if if you were, if someone was writing a eulogy, what would you want it to say? Like it's, it's like, you know, like you don't think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was powerful to me because I wanted to I wanted to really pinpoint what do I want people to say about the cupcake girls? What do I want people to say about me? Yeah. And how do I want to implement that into my time?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we started thinking about what are the most important things to the cupcake girls and our, our core? And what do we want everyone to walk in, in the office or do their work with us and to emulate and to strive for. And those are what we came up with six. So number one has always been we love without agenda. Mm. We have zero strings attached to anything we do for our staff, for our clients, for our volunteers and for our clients. And um, so yeah. We love that agenda. We engage with humility. What I say for that is we none of us are better than anyone. We show up knowing we can bring skills, but we are replaceable. And, again, the need versus want piece. Mm. We act with integrity. Everything we do, we are on the up and up. And we invite innovation. Mention that one. We communicate courageously. And that one is super important to us. We actually do trainings on it, and we discuss it as a team of 95% women identifying folks we know that sometimes that can create drama or competitiveness or things like that and so we started from the very beginning that we communicate courageously meaning we if something is bothering us we go right to that person and say hey what you said here it made me feel this way and then being able to say oh you know i didn't realize it or thank you for sharing that i'm sorry and apologizing mm-hmm. and moving forward versus having feelings of like that person's just rude or you know there's just all this stuff so courageous communication I think I mentioned all of them but we pursue holistic balance mm-hmm. which is not a common core value for nonprofit
2: mm-hmm.
1: or entre- entrepreneurial spaces in general
2: yeah <laughs> and
1: I will be honest and say it's it was more of a goal versus what we've been we were doing a lot in 2015 and it's constantly something I have to come back to. Mm-hmm. Of what does holistic balance look like? What does space and time look like? Some of the things we implement with that is everyone takes one full day completely disconnected, not answering emails, not you know connecting to the work. Everyone gets vacation time. And we try to make them actually disconnect for vacation and really trying to create a space where we can be filled up so we can keep doing this work.
0: Awesome. I know you keep mentioning that you used to not have such an abundant mindset and you kind of made that shift. Can you share any tips or how you were able to shift that?
1: I would like to say I just had an epiphany and I just decided to do it.
0: But
1: I'll be honest and say that actually what happened was I continued to end up in the ER every year in January for, for four years in a row and in 2015 after i met that coach and everything i committed to not doing that to not pushing myself to limits that i couldn't handle to um being trying to be proactive versus reactive to consistent therapy to you know things that filled me up Mm. outside of just working 100 hours a week um doing date nights with my husband spending time with my kid and so I realized that if I didn't do that, I would not. Either Cupcake Girls wouldn't be here or I wouldn't be here Mm because I was not healthy and the Cupcake Girls was not healthy. And I'm really proud because over the last five years, we've built systems in place to to do that. However, 2020, I did end up in the ER at the end of the year. And I just pushed myself. I could not do a lot of those things that I was doing to fill myself up. And I just, we had uh, some really intense situations that happened and I just like could not, could not handle it. So I did. And so it's now bringing back to me going in 2021, how can I reactivate myself and my team in that way? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what what made you, was it filling up your cup that made you be more abundant or...
1: Yeah, I, I think some of it's a mindset shift. I think mm. I, I talk a lot about something I call the poor, poor me playbook. Like mm. I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs and especially in the helping professions, we're like, oh, we have to do this and people are this and I don't want to... I didn't sign up for this part of this, right? Mm-hmm. And like the reality is we signed up for that, all of it. <laughs> we didn't know what we were signing up for. Yeah. <laughs> and so... I think for me, what's important is reevaluating our mindsets and making sure we're doing the work for the right reasons mm. and making sure that we're not doing things we shouldn't be doing just because for the wrong reasons. Mm. So, you know, making sure we're not, like for us at the Copy Girls, we had a 300% increase last year in clients. Mm. We helped over 800 clients. We should not have done that. We shouldn't have. <laughs> We helped too many people but what we kept getting is the need was so great and we wanted to meet that. And so that's what we did a lot in twenty fifteen was reevaluating our systems to go like how how many people can we help to the level of integrity and care that we can with us being healthy still. Mm-hmm. And so those are things we ask ourselves as a team. What systems are not working for us? We meet we have staff meetings and we have strategy meetings every quarter mm-hmm. and then a really big one every year. So we have like a three day two to three day strategy every quarter and then a week long one every year to plan together. Mm -hmm. And these are the conversations we have, what's working, what's not, how are you like really doing Mm -hmm. and how can we get us all to being in our best space. And so I think mindset, and then I think reevaluating often Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: not being afraid to pivot and to change things. I think there's this mindset for some reason that like, if we change it, we fail. And I yeah. think the opposite. I think if we are not constantly evolving and changing, that's when we fail. If mm-hmm. we fail our community that is evolving and they need us to continue to show up and innovate and listen and engage and then make changes that fit them accordingly and yeah. that care for people the best that we can.
0: Yeah. I've noticed in coaching, a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves to pick the right thing or pick the right Uh system and pick Uh the right team. And like everything, the first go around has to be perfect. But like, that's just not realistic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not. I I literally make a statement that I've failed more times than most people have tried.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
1: you know, one thing that I've been doing since, you know, kind of, kind of getting sick at the end of the year and kind of reevaluating myself is then the word, I don't always pick a word for the year, but the word I keep going back to this year is nurture. Mm. And, and instead of looking back at photos or times in my life over the last 10 years where I'm like, Oh, I don't like this about myself or I did this or, you know, I'm, I'm looking back and literally going good job. Like look at everything was thrown at you Mm -hmm. and look at where you pushed through that girl. Like I'm like, Hugging myself through the photos being like soft and nourishing and, and nurturing myself Mm -hmm. so that I can keep nurturing my family and my team and my community and the world. Yeah. But it, it's we are, we're so hard on ourselves. I think in coaching, we expect perfection and we expect no failures and we expect all the things, I guess. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think the reality needs to be like, hey, guess what? We're all hot messes, none of us have yeah. it together. You know, no matter what yeah. Instagram tells us, life is not pretty all the time, there's imperfections in every area of our life. But you know what makes really good humans and really good lives?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Messing up. And then coming together and being like, oh, I, I missed the mark on that. I'm mm-hmm. really sorry. And then rebuilding trust with people, and then not you know, and then changing, and then trying again, getting back up. Yeah. You know, we like the movie Trolls. Mhm. So Poppy, you know, she's she's like just. I think she's an Enneagram three, totally, and it's funny when I. But anyway, she does. She has a song which is like. I'll get back up again. And mm-hmm. so we, in our, our home, I have a who so are three and seven and we talk a lot about that. Like when we fall, we get back up
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's simple yet. I think profound of remembering that we will fall and then we can just get up again and try again, maybe doing something different or maybe with a different support or maybe ask for help. Mm-hmm. And all of that is needed to continue moving forward.
0: Yeah. I definitely agree, because I think a lot of times people think that everything is, like, perfect once you, like, reach this point of being an entrepreneur, uh-huh. but, like, for example, this interview, I I have not slept through my alarm since, like, college, probably, and I literally woke up two minutes before our interview. <laughs> oh,
2: my gosh! How funny! Well, you look great! Thank I you! I would not look like that two
0: <laughs> after I woke up. I want you to know that. And, um, so. and then all that we had all these zoom issues and then I was like yeah. oh thank god <laughs> thank you for messing up Sam." <laughs> right I know I was
1: like yeah you're right it was 10 minutes we were like ended up getting on 10 or 15 minutes late because the link one worked, so I yeah.
0: guess it worked out <laughs> <laughs> so usually at this point in the interview I usually ask about fil- philanthropy but I mean your whole thing is philanthropic. So I don't know if there's yeah. anything else that you wanted to share about ways that you give back or why it matters to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think philanthropy is done right. One of the most p- powerful tools that we can activate in ourselves is yeah. What? And I, I guess people always say like, Oh, it's so awesome. You found your purpose and your passion and you found it at 23 and all this stuff. And I'm like, Yes, but really what I found was a need in a community that has been overlooked and misunderstood and not cared for and decided, like, I cannot walk away from that. Like, I use Mm -hmm. a William Wilberforce quote that says, once you know, you can walk away, but you can never again say that you did not know. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the issues in the world is... Instead of, we don't like to look at problems because then we're like, oh, well, well, I can't do anything to fix that. And it makes us feel shame Mm -hmm. around it. And I want to end shame around impact I guess around issues that our our community is facing because while we are sitting at home feeling like well what am I going to do about the homeless and I just saw that person on the corner and how are they going to be okay but what am I supposed to do I don't have a house to give
2: them Mm -hmm.
1: I think we just need to go what can I do in this moment to make that person feel cared for
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's simple and I think we we have x we have we decide on dollars that we get yeah we have people that give five dollars a month at the Cupcake girls Mm -hmm. that makes an impact yeah so i think no matter how much time no matter how many skills no matter how much money you have you can make impact you need to think about what are things that have affected you or someone you love or someone in your community that you're like okay i want to choose this thing Mm -hmm. and then choose it and go give your time money and skills to that
2: mm-hmm.
1: because the problem is is we have a lot of people that some that don't really have time for philanthropy and so they kind of use it as an afterthought yeah like oh i'm gonna give all my old used clothes to goodwill <laughs> which is fine yeah but it's like why don't you give a new suit to someone like you know what i mean well, I, I i guess i'm wondering I'd like to see philanthropy less as an afterthought and more of just a part of our everyday life, mm. more of just things that we do. Because even just not just with the cupcake girls, I, our family tries to make it a habit of making social impact a part of our everyday life.
2: Mm-hmm. Our
1: seven-year-old buys little bags, like um, just Ziploc bags that she fills with things that she thinks would help our homeless friends or our I guess the, the the best way to say that in a more dignified way is to say folks who are experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. The homelessness does not define them. Yeah. Um. So our our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness, she puts in socks and a water and you know all fresh new things that she gets at Costco with my husband.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what she does with that then is when she sees someone, she try, rolls down her window in the car and says, "Would you like this?" Because what she had done previously she would just sob the whole way to wherever we were going when she'd see people mm-hmm. and be like, Daddy, can you build a house for them? They need a house, Daddy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I want to teach my three- and seven-year-old that like uh, $3 of items in a bag can make a, can really brighten someone's day and make them feel dignified. Yeah. And, that should, you know, and there's the same thing we can do that for so many populations.
2: Mm-hmm. And we
1: can make it part of our everyday. We can buy gifts from People that are giving back a portion from social impact companies. We can buy our gifts from nonprofits if
2: Mm -hmm. they sell
1: them. Um, And we can think about our money in a way that there's line items to do that.
0: And I love your point of passing it down to your children because if you're taught that at a young age, that's going to be kind of integrated into who you are. So Mm -hmm. the more people we have like that, I think the better.
1: Yeah, I—they're I, the ones who are going to change the world, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you, when we went through all of this, like Black Lives Matter stuff, and really, we—the more we learned in our family about marginalized communities of things I never knew about. Yeah. I had no, like, you know, it's not even stuff you think about, but the fact that all the Barbies you had growing up were white, or things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm. My goal is, again, when I learn something and I should be educating myself on these issues, Yeah. when I learn it, I want to immediately say, okay, what can I do with my time, money, and skills to make an impact now? Not just post on social media, not just talk about it. There's this meme that says, what would your activism look like if social media was gone today? Mm-hmm. And I wonder that a lot with people. Yeah. Like, posting a story about something is great but what's next
2: mm-hmm. from that thing yeah. and
1: how can we create and activate ourselves to do the most with what we have mm-hmm. and there, we, there's a slogan we use which is start where you are use what you have do what you can mm-hmm. and really I think ties in to hopefully yeah teach my kids to do this better than me because I learned it late in life I'm still learning at 34 I hope they can learn at 7 and keep growing Um, how they can really create impact and and treat people with dignity and make sure people are okay and are Mm -hmm. safe and
0: yeah so i want to get into your best tips to be pretty af what is your number one tip for travel when you were traveling (laughs)
1: yeah so i in 2019 i had over 30 flights and uh-huh. I got, I started getting really good at things that helped me feel less stress because you know being on the road it can be really stressful. Are your, do you have a lot of audience? Do you know if your audience is like a lot of with kids or without or kind of a mix?
0: I think they're a mix. Yeah.
1: Okay. So for me as an as a CEO with kids, I I created routines with my kids before I left. Like we there was a certain book we read which talked about no matter one of the lines in the book was. Um, and like, no matter where I go to, I always belong with you mm. uh, and I'll always come back. So talking a lot about mommy always comes back is, was a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. And then when I go and travel, I, I mean, TSA pre-check is literally like, I don't know why anyone doesn't have it. Even if you go on like two flights a year. Yeah. It is like the best, my husband like pushed me to get it and I'm so glad he did. So that would be like my number one travel tip. And then. As far as, like, I try to just have, like, have snacks with me, have, you know, do things that, if you, especially if you're traveling a lot and you struggle with anxiety, like I do, Mm -hmm. I try to create safe things that I can always go back to. Foods, smells, sounds, I always bring with me in, for all my hotels, I'll bring, I have a small sound machine that I bring Mm -hmm. for white noise, so it sounds like home. I always bring an, uh, a diffuser with essential oil so it smells like home. Yeah. And I try to, again, just create things that help me feel, go, can go back to a space of, like, you are safe, you are okay, and can activate me again if I'm speaking or I'm doing things. Because a lot of what I do is go just, you know, activate our team in Portland or go speak or go coach. And so I have to be on mm-hmm. for those things. In order to do that, I have to feel amped up to be on, Yeah. You know? So I would say that I am an ambassador for Lululemon, and I started wearing some of their shawls and things, like on the plane, or they have these scarves that can rip open, and you can make them a shawl or a scarf or other things. There's things Mm -hmm. I wear, too, that just make it easier and more comfortable, as well as kind of look... I use a word called trendy professional, which my team says (laughs) I made up. Um, And I try try to do that. So I think those are my best travel things and then I always oh I always look up one thing I can do so I can like for enjoyment so mm-hmm. if it's one thing I wanted food I want to try or I want to check out the rose garden here you know it's usually like low cost and and kind of simple things that I want to just like try to look forward to for myself
0: yeah I I love that because my last like nine to five job Um, Uh I did a lot of traveling for and the trips were just so short that it was like, oh, I've never been in this place. But like, I didn't really think like, oh, I should just pick one thing versus like, I want to do all these things. And then I didn't do anything. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, that, and and I learned exactly. I learned that from that because I would always come home and be like, oh, like it didn't, you know, I worked and now I'm home Mm -hmm. and I would feel like this. I want to have fun while I'm doing this. I want to create like Like some sort of like incentive for myself, which sounds funny as a mom. I'm always like, you can do this if you get this. And I'm like, I should do that with myself. I can sell (laughs) myself.
0: Yeah. What is your number one business tip?
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Number one business tip. I was actually just talking with a restaurant owner who's partnering with us on a project next week. And I was telling him, I think the quality, number one quality of a business owner is Humility. I really do. I think you have to continue to be able to admit your wrongs and acknowledge your wrongs. self-awareness of going, am I showing up my best? Am I being the best leader? Am I being compassionate? Am I standing up for myself? You know, we, we get this mix of like, just, especially as women, I think to be assertive and to be courageous and to show up best Mm -hmm. and one of my goals is to be self-aware and come back and, and really and, and think through, okay, what could I have done better? What did I do great? And how can I use that for the next thing?
2: And mm-hmm.
1: and not beat myself up about I'm working on that piece, but just humbly be able to say yeah, I missed the mark on that. So I'm going to do that better this time.
0: Mm-hmm. Love it. What is your number one beauty tip?
1: Beauty tip? <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> you my number one beauty tip is Gosh, I don't even know what my number would be. Well, I would probably say the three things that I wear to feel my best always are Spanx, faux leather leggings, and I'm not an ambassador of them. I wish I was. So (laughs) if you're hearing this, Sarah Blakely, call me. And a good lipstick, like a bright lipstick, although it's really hard with COVID right now, it's something I miss. Mm -hmm. And cheetah print accessories. Like, though, I just, to me, if I. I have certain things in my closet that make me feel confident, that make me feel sick, like I can walk in a room with my presence, and people are going to listen, and I'm going to be able to get everything out that I wanted to and be courageous mm-hmm. and brave.
0: Love it. And all those things are very on brand for you. So, <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> So, yeah, pick things. And items, your your beauty tips to make you feel the way you want to feel. Don't make, don't do it for other people. Do it for you. Find out what you want and then wear it with pride. I mean, there's things I wear that people are like, are you serious? One earring. I always wear one earring. You're like, why do you do that? Like, I don't know. One, the other earring never shows, so why not? And two, I just, I'm fine. I like the way it looks. I always wear a headband, you know? or a hat and people are like oh is that your signature look with the headband I'm like I just like the look it's not my signature
0: (laughs) so I wanted to thank you for joining me and answering all my questions how can people find you or join the cupcake girls or work with you or talk to you all that stuff
1: yeah Thank you so much for having me on. It's always so fun to connect with entrepreneurs and your community. So thank mm. you. And people can find me on Instagram at Joy E. Hoover on same as Facebook and then for Cupcake Girls and Local for All, which we didn't really talk about that project, but you can still look it up because it's super exciting at Cupcake Girls or, and then at Local for All. And um, we are going to be opening Local for All in 2021, the heart of Las Vegas and downtown. And would love to share more details with anyone interested.
0: Awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to share, maybe more about local for all or something else that you didn't get to?
1: Yeah, I'll share a little bit about local. I guess if you are someone who is is an entrepreneur and looking for support, I'd love to be able to talk to you, especially if you're a social impact entrepreneur. That's what I work with a lot personally, and then professionally. Local for All is a holistic resource center and a social impact food hall, where you can literally use your dollars to create impact immediately. And again, we talked a lot about impact and philanthropy being being part of our life. Mm. And um, so that is a project that I've been dreaming up since literally 2011. I have it on a PowerPoint from 2011, and I'm really, really just crossing my fingers and braiding my hair every day, just kidding, but that we can get this open in 2021. And really, it can be a community space for our community to be served well with resources, medical, legal, mental health, uh, wellness. And on the other side, all of us as a community can rally around eating amazing food, drinking amazing coffee, taking yoga classes and doing all of this stuff, which immediately create impact to make sure people on the other side of our building are getting the services
0: that they need. Mm. Love it. I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me too. Me too. So, so this is the last question that I ask every guest. What does being pretty AF mean to you?
1: Great question. Um, to me, being pretty AF means being exactly who you were created to be. Living out your purpose, your passion, and your skills, and doing it as you are not as the world wants you to be or your friends want you to be or your family wants you to be or your spouse wants you to be partner mm-hmm. being who you are and creating the most impact so if you wear leather faux leather pants and two different stuff to business meetings or you have early on you're a small child in a sling and you're speaking with senators which I've done no matter mm-hmm. what it is be you go all in and you your inner beauty and your will shine
0: through who you are and you will feel fulfilled. Oh my gosh, what an episode. Thank you so much, Joy, for joining me in answering all my questions. I think what you shared was so helpful as a Enneagram 3 myself. I feel like we're totally on the same wavelength. I loved everything you shared in this episode and I cannot thank you enough. If you're listening and you haven't done so yet, be sure to check out the show notes, all the links are there for you. And I will see you on next week's solo episode. Thank you for taking this time for yourself to get one step closer to a life you love. If you love this episode, it would mean the world to me. If you left me a review on iTunes or whatever you're listening on, tell me what you want to hear more of or your favorite parts of the episode. Until next time, I'm Ozzie Maslow. Lots of love. And don't forget, you're pretty AF.